The scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said this, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Would you say that with me? This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Well, I'm glad in it. He woke me up about 4.30 this morning. um, And uh, it's been a full morning ever since. And uh, I've had fun uh, preparing and being with our staff this week. This has been a a really demanding week, a good week, Um, some surprises. And uh, I came first and foremost to say thank you, especially thank you to the United Methodist Women for that wonderful reception last week, for a chance for us all not only to meet the new preacher family, But I think and hope that you had an opportunity as you've had this morning in this service where we're all kind of blended, uh, 8, 30, 10, and 11. If you all have a chance to see faces you may not know, be intentional about this. this This is God's place, and we're all God's children. We're all part of his big picture. So act as if you're at home, okay, and and welcome each other. I I really am grateful for that, And, and thank you for reminding me of your names, uh, it is important. I'm learning a few here, there, and yon, and I can call a few folks. To Jesse, right down here, who sang a fabulous song last week in worship uh, at the 11 o'clock hour. Wonderful music. Um, but we are real grateful to have you share your names with us. And the boys in, in Curry and I are getting settled in over at 206 um, Shadowwood. Thank you, Kason. <laughs> he was paying attention. And he turned 12 yesterday. We had a big, big birthday. Um, And so, (laughs) Mamma Phyllis made cupcakes. That was pretty good. Um, But we're open to invitations. I know this is the summertime and everybody's going this, that way, and the other. But, you know, if you want to include us in something and we can work that out, we would certainly welcome the opportunity to do something with you at a more personal level. But I want you to know that in a couple of weeks, you're going to have a chance to sign up for something. We're going to have about five different places around the community where we're going to have, we're calling this R&R, Rest and Relax with Rob. One of my staff members said we should call it R-Cubed, but we're not. So, 
But if you have that opportunity, um, and we were, we're looking for host families, Deborah and I will be trying to do that. And this has come through words from our transition team. We actually have a transition team. There are about 10 people in the congregation beyond our staff parish relations committee who's helping me just sort of feel my way through these first few months. And it's critical that we do that. We get off to a good start. So I want to thank you for your prayers and your encouragement. And um, that's the word that I want to have of informality today, an invitation. Would you hear again God's word as we go to him in prayer? Lord, thank you that this word that has been read is a word that's been inspired from the beginning and now even in our midst. So open our hearts and our minds and our lives to the power of your transforming transforming grace through Jesus who is and was and ever will be. Amen. I don't know about it at your house, But if I, growing up in my house, would have called somebody a fool, it would have been soaked to the mouth. If you've ever had your mouth washed out. Miss Phyllis didn't do it very often, but I can remember a couple of times, and I deserved every time. But calling somebody a fool is just not something that you do in polite conversation. And yet, in this text, in the middle of this parable, At the ultimate moment of meaning in this parable, Jesus calls the man in the parable a fool. Why would Jesus do that? Earlier in his teaching, he refers and offers the question to the people, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And yet in our society today, We honor those who gain the whole world, or at least a big slice of it. I mean, we only have to look at the magazines from time to time with pictures on the cover of Fortune 500 and Forbes to know who's who. This man in our text in the parable was a prudent man. He was productive, who in many, many ways could have been deemed a success if he lived in the Delta and was a farmer, my goodness, he could have gotten farmer of the year as some of my former parishioners in Green would have done. So why is Jesus being so tough on this guy? I mean, for instance, he could help his church, right? No, actually he wouldn't help his church. In fact, Jesus knew something that you and I don't know about this man from a reading of the text. Jesus knew his heart. This man spent his entire life building his fortune. And he never thought about anybody else but himself. Greed was his passion, fueled by thinking if I can just get more stuff, I'll be happy. There are five characteristics about this man I want to talk to you about briefly. And then I want to get to the heart of the matter of this text. First of all, these characteristics are part of the lingering human conundrum 
since our best self, if you were here last week, has been cast out of the Garden of Eden. So here they are. The first was that this man was preoccupied with his possessions. His goods and his stock portfolio were the focus of his life. Until he was confronted with God who asked about his soul, pardon the pun, he never checked up. And now his toys are left behind. Number two, he was secure with his Sinatra complex. His theme song was, I did it my way. I don't need God bugging me either. Number three, grab it now or it may be gone. He is the antithesis of generosity. What he might do for others never enters his mind. Me, myself, and I are my three favorite people. Greed, my friends, hoarding, being insecure about what we have fuels. It fuels any thoughts of compassion. None whatsoever. Number four, he was a hedonist and he was proud of it. He had no thought of tomorrow. He was wasted away in Margaritaville and walking 10 feet off a bill. And lastly, practical atheism was his religion. This man would tell you if you ask him, do you believe in God? Oh, of course I do. But when God asked him to examine his life, all the fruit was rotten. It was rotten. He has no concern for his neighbor or SOS team, his neighborhood he, wouldn't, he couldn't spell Woodley Elementary if you asked him to. And he wouldn't know where it was even if it was around the corner from him. My, my. He only asks, what have you done for me lately? Jesus implies that the farmer is a fool because one of the themes that runs throughout his life is this, pay attention. He thought that he could gain security if he had enough stuff. Get this stuff piled higher and deeper and it could fend off any kind of difficulty life would ever deliver, even death or misfortune. And because he lived it and actually believed it, Jesus called him a fool. Now, you and I are invited by culture in so many different ways today to believe that myth. Prepare, make good investments, save, or buy now what you can pay later at whatever the going rate is. You think about it, how subtle, and I'm not stamping on the marketing people because we do marketing at Parkway Heights. Can I get a witness? But we're so, it's, they're so good at it. I mean, we come out of the womb almost saying, I got to have this. 
If you haven't had a conversation with your 10 or 12-year-old about when are they getting their cell phone, come on now, y'all, we live in the real world. That's what, that's what it happens at our house. I mean, it is so subtle, it's so powerful, it is so seductive. And sometimes we're seduced into thinking that the world and the kingdom of God are the same thing. They are not, and they never will be. Jesus reminds us with this parable poignantly. My friends, you can buy security, but security can never offer you real freedom. Freedom comes from a place of true self-denial and strength. It comes from following the one who emptied himself of the need to be powerful because he let go and he gave of himself. He received glory, not as a result of some acquisition. The writer of the book to the church in Philippi wrote it well. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Though who he thought was in the form of God did not regard equality as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Being born of human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore... God also has highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So it is at the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You want to be free? Take a look at your soul if you could imagine doing so. Ask yourself from time to time, how much do I really need? That's a conflict that will cause you to re-examine what's really important. I confessed that I can make justifications for most anything I want to if I convince myself and hear it from someone else. Oh, go ahead. Everybody else does. Everybody else has got one. But the truth of it is that that new house or that new dress or that new boat or that new whatever It will never quench the longing in our souls to be free in Jesus' love. I was in the grocery store. I'd been shopping for a while, and I turned the corner, and there she was. She was all dressed up. She'd been to the beauty shop, and she smelled good, and she smiled. She says, hey. I said, how's your week been? She said, well, it's been good. I knew she had been caring for one of her neighbors who'd had major surgery. 
So we both continued to shop. And a few minutes later, I rounded another corner, and there she was, and she had two bags in her hands. She says, here, enjoy. I opened up one of them. It was pork tenderloin, and the juices were in it, and it was still warm. The other one was some hot rolls. When I got up to the cash register to pay for my groceries, I was standing there, and I saw her out of the corner of my eye. I said, son, she's free. She's free. She lives on a pension, a small pension, and Social Security and her daughter, who was invalid, lived with her. And if you ask anybody in that congregation in which I served, who was somebody that always had enough for somebody else, they'd say, Miss Johnny. I think that's what independence is about. We honor our country this weekend, and well, we should. But we can honor God every day, knowing that the true source of independence and freedom comes from someone who gave up all for folks like us. The way of freedom is a paradox. To become truly free, we surrender who we are and what we have to the one who gave us both, but whom will never demand of us either. We're invited by grace and free will. And Jesus chose the way of freedom, not security. Therefore, this morning, the symbols on this table of bread and wine are truly symbols of independence and freedom that God chose to offer a world in darkness, a world that knew not gratitude and grace. And he offered himself in broken body and shed blood. I ask you the question, my friends, which is ultimately more important? Let us pray. Thank you, gracious and generous God, for your love, your mercy, and your gift to us. We all are embattled and embroiled with the world and its values. We fight against fights We know in our hearts we have more than we need. And I thank you, O God, for a congregation who recognizes the needs of others and who's intentional. And yet we all still wrestle to be free from the things that hold us. May in these moments of sharing this broken bread and this spilt blood that we remember whose we are and the cost and the price and the greatest depth of love we can imagine to be shared on our behalf. May we receive this word afresh and anew in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.